This is a recording of Dr. Jim Linville at the Sunday, April 3rd, 2016 meeting of the BC Humanist Association in Vancouver. Dr. Linville is an Associate Professor of Religious Studies at the University of Lethbridge. His research is on the beliefs of modern young earth creationists. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the BCHA or its Board of Directors. To learn more about humanism and to support our work, visit bchumanist.ca, follow us on Facebook or Twitter, and be sure to subscribe to the BC Humanist Podcast on Stitcher or iTunes. Thanks thanks so much. Um, Hope you can all hear me. Um, One thing about the Gideon's Bibles in uh, hotel rooms, at least, I teach, uh, I'm a religious studies guy, I'm not a science guy. So I teach courses on the Bible and stuff like that, and I always tell my classes at the start of term, if they end up in a cheap motel room, like they all want to, um, they got a free textbook, right? Uh, So anyway, I'm at the University of Lethbridge, and our motto, Fiat Lux. Anybody know what that is? Let there be light. Let there be light. First word spoken by God in the Bible, which is um, really quite appropriate for my study. So, each after its own kind, how creation museums are not all created equal. This is um, part of a... Uh, research project I've started on just uh, several months ago on uh, myth-making by young earth creationists. Now, the myth, I would argue, is not in the Bible. It's in what they do with the Bible, how they make it a living text for themselves. And this is something that a lot of the historians of science and critics of creationism aren't really looking at. Um, No one's a biblical literalist, right? You're all reading things through different lenses and so on and so forth. So I'm trying to track track down what this text really means to them, even outside of their debate with evolution and so on and so forth. Um, So creation museums. Here they are. Um, Yeah. Um, (laughs) You will find, uh, yeah, some some are big, some are little. Um, Here you have these little guys walking around Arizona and so forth. Nature tours, professional companies, this is their business, taking people to Grand Canyon and so on and so forth. Um, Some are under construction. Uh, All kinds. Um, I've got a list of about 40. Yeah, yeah, New York, uh, New Hampshire, (laughs) and some more being planned. Okay? This is a growing thing. Ken Ham's museum was hardly the first, and it ain't going to be the last. And in Europe. Um... We have Southampton, North Ireland, Portugal, some, uh, the one in North Ireland is a mobile one, we'll talk about that and just uh, those sorts of things in a bit. So yeah, all over the place. And there is a th- um, some kind of resort, I don't know how Christian it is, but they're picking up on the Noah's Ark story. Uh, they have a resort hotel complex designed like the Noah's Ark and the petting zoo and rides and all this in Hong Kong. (laughs) (laughs) So, speaking of Noah's Ark, this is uh, Noah's Ark in Dordrecht, Holland. Johan Huibers, if I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, built it, finished it in 2008. And unlike Ken Ham's in Kentucky that will open in July... This one actually floats. And they're dragging it to Brazil for the Olympics or something that's going on. Uh, (laughs) So, are they created... (laughs) So, are they created equal? Well, denominationally, it's a pretty flat thing. Most of them, and um, in fact, I would say virtually all of them, 
are evangelical Protestant Christian, right? Um, there is a small creation science group that's Catholic in the United States. Um, they have very low web presence. Uh, evolution is not contrary to Catholic doctrine. But this group of extreme conservatives begs to differ with the official position. Mel Gibson and that kind of people. Yes, yes. Uh, Mel Gibson and so forth. Um, so this one is a Goodwood Baptist Church in Ontario. Um, and a number of them are, are aligned with Baptist-type uh, denominations. This is the Discovery Center in Abilene, Texas or at least their sign. Creation Museum, Titanic exhibit. Um, I'll talk about... Titanic was in the Bible, sure. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, right. Sorry about that. And Discovery Church. This, this group, I, um, I went there. They wouldn't let me photograph inside their museum, but I did have a long chat with them. Um, all they would say about their denominational affiliation is that they are not... Calvinists. And they started their own church from the people who, uh, in, in, in the town who supported them and so forth. There's another one in Texas that's um, Pentecostal. So on, on the very conservative side of Protestant Christianity. Um, the focus of them this is Genesis Expo in Portsmouth, and this is very much focused solely on the creation versus evolution debate. The Grand River Museum in Lemon, South Dakota, I'll, I'll be heading there in June. Uh, here we have a cowboy made out of, out of scrap metal riding a dinosaur made out of scrap metal. Uh, this museum is kind of also a local history museum. It's just that the, uh, the owners of it are creationists, so they have a creationist display. So these kinds of things merge with all kinds of other interests and so forth and do-it-yourself kind of, of um, things and, you know, your typical American roadside attractions and hodgepodges and things like that. So this really spans um, the whole range of things. Um, this one, I have to go, go here. This is the Creation Museum, Taxidermy Hall of Fame of North Carolina and Antique Tool Museum. Um, God, I gotta go. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a, a hodgepodge of all sorts. But it suggests one important thing, that people's religion and their religious views are not separate from everything else in their lives. Right? It's all, it's all, it's all inter, interrelated in different ways. Um, this is the Museum of Earth History in, in uh, Dallas, Texas. And it really shows a contrast to those sort of do-it-yourself things that I've just, just been showing you. Um, this is very professionally done. These guys have money. And uh, artists and so forth. It's beautiful. What an, it's kind of small, but they are. This is one of the ones that's expanding. Uh, even though another group is planning a creation museum in Dallas, too. Now, uh, what's interesting about this is that I did get to uh, interview one of the tour guides there. And he's not in the least bit interested in the argument with science. Right? There are some anti-science displays and things like that, but most of it is just like, like this guy just sort of standing there, looking menacing and so forth, looking beautiful. And this fellow is far more interested in just showing visitors the beauty of God's creation. Right? And he said he didn't care about translation difficulties. He didn't know that stuff. He didn't know the science. He admitted it. But this is what he believed, 
God's creation is wonderful, and he wants to share. So that sort of took me aback, you know. Um, so these, these, again, you know, when you actually go out and meet these people, you meet a lot of interesting fellows. And we had a great chat, you know. Um, now, business, personal expression, this is the Mount Blanco Fossil Museum in Crosbyton, which is just by uh, just outside of Lubbock, Texas, in, up in the north. It's a little worse for wares on the outside, but Mount Blanco is run by a guy named Joe Taylor. And this is his business. Um, I think it's also um, a declared charity, so he can take donations and stuff like that. But he will sell fossils casts of fossils, his paintings. So all sorts of things roll into theirs. And this guy doesn't make any kind of sustained argument one way or the other. You get a few little placards about how the Noah's Ark was, had, you know, had to exist and all of this stuff, but it's not really a sustained kind of thing. Um, he's very much interested in selling you stuff. And some of it is very beautiful and some of it is a little a little uh, ragtag. So uh, one of his paintings here, uh, some of his casts of dinosaurs that looked a little rough if you're into that style of art. This is a, a real fossil. Uh, I can't quite read it. I, I had to shrink the resolution on, on all of this. But he wants 35,000 bucks for it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you can buy fossils like that in Canada legally. I don't know. I think they all belong to the government or something. I'm not sure. But you can down there. Um, and he's an interesting fellow. This is uh, one of his little plaques about his uh, argument with creation. So a PhD in paleontology told me that frayed dinosaur scales evolved into feathers. I don't know how many PhDs in paleontology would say that. It says, if you believe that feathers evolved from worn-out scales of dinosaurs, I'd like to sell you some property on the moon. I don't think he really owns any to sell. Uh, animals with scales, like this boa, uh, replaced worn-out scales. They didn't turn into feathers. So that's the level of his... Of a, yeah, yeah, of his uh, scientific acumen. Um, and this is, he also has this room there uh, with these huge paintings of old album covers. <laughs> Waylon Jennings, um, Three Dog Night, all sorts of them. And just completely inexplicable. Yeah. No idea. Why. <laughs> um, what was that now? Historical value. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, now, the scale of these things. This is Big Valley Creation Science Museum in Big Valley, Alberta, which is probably the most well-known of the uh, five or six Canadian museums. Because when it opened in 2007 or 2008, it was a bit of a big big splash about it, but it's fairly small. It's about 900 square, square feet. Has anybody been? I've been by it. You've been by it, yeah. Um, but some of the displays are very well done, like this guy up here at the, um, some of it not so well, but uh, it's fairly small. Um, and it is Canadian. <laughs> Really spectacular, spared no expense. An absolutely spectacular design, spared no expense. Wow. Top of the line, spared no expense. We spared no expense. So no we expense. have the Jurassic Park version. This is uh, the Answers in Genesis Creation Museum just south of Cincinnati in northern uh, Kentucky. It's 75,000 square foot. Uh, something like 30 million bucks to make. It's paid for. It opened in 2007. It's currently the largest. And it is amazingly well done. Um, so this is the one run by Ken Ham. And if you ever read about 
the Creation Museum, this is the one they're talking about. But um, it wasn't, certainly wasn't the first. Uh, it's unique in that it has a very well-developed narrative structure, professional people making everything. It's uh, really quite, quite, quite a feat. Um, we'll talk a bit about, more about that a uh, little bit. Um, now, some of these it's hard to pin down. I'm having a heck of a time trying to get a, a, a real list. Because they shift ownership, they shift names, some of the smaller ones. This is, um, there's a Wesleyan church in Cornwall, Ontario. Um, and around back, there is some sort of creation or science thing that goes by a variety of names. Uh, the Creation Science Center, the Amazing Science Center. Um, at one point last year, I contacted them about going out to visit them and interview the curators. Um, and somebody said, well, it's now called the Paradoxes of Sci Science Center or something like that. So very, very fluid. And it's in the same building as this church but I couldn't find anything about it on the church's website. And uh, for those of you who know Canadian creationists a uh, bit, Ian Juby from around Ottawa, who has numerous videos and things up on YouTube, um, he got out of the business and some of his stuff now is apparently down here. But very hard to um, pin some of these places down. Some of them only serve the local churches the, the, you know, their own congregation, like that Goodwood Baptist thing, it's there for the edification of their congregation and very little else. Ken Ham's, of course, is very outward-looking, uh, and so forth. Uh, then we get... Did that jump ahead one? No. Um, mobile museums. This is uh, Secrets of Creation in Red Deer. It used to be called um, uh, Creation Truth Ministries or something like that, run by a fellow named uh, Vance Nelson. And he has all of these displays, like some dinosaur casts and all of this stuff. But he will um, take these to church groups, to schools, whoever wants them, right? Um, and I sort of called him on this uh, uh, several years ago and I had a very, very naughty blog going uh, called Dr. Jim's Thinking Shop. Um, and I kind of took him to task over this and uh, he didn't really like it that much, but he was selling uh, his services to schools. And, um, yeah, there's a, in Alberta, uh, even public schools, there's public school systems in Alberta can have Christian schools attached. The uh, Lethbridge Public School Board has a Christian school, right? Uh, but he challenged me to debate an Australian friend of his who was visiting, a guy named John McKay. And I think it was the guy that... Uh, was in, the, in that photo of the Big Valley Museum. I think that was him. Looks like him. But challenged me to a debate on science versus creation. Well, I'm not a scientist. I can't pronounce those big words. Right? So uh, there's no way I'm going to legitimize this because he insisted it be at the University of Lethbridge. Right? So I said, like, look, your argument really is about the Bible, not about science. You want to argue about the Bible, we could have a good exchange on my blog or wherever. That's when the emails stopped. Right? Um, and so that, you know, it's one of those things, thinking, you know, why, why don't they want to talk about their own scriptures? Right? Um, so we have this. He now, uh, Vance Nelson now, has a number of books out on uh, creation evolution, on his journeys to the Amazon to find dinosaurs, and and so forth. So a lot, and that he isn't atypical. A lot 
of creationists are also into, uh, uh, what do they call it, cryptozoology, right? Because if the earth is that young, if the Bible story is true, dinosaurs had to be on that ark, which means they had to survive the flood, at least two of them. And the likelihood that there are still such creatures, well, it might be remote, but it's there. And so there is a tendency to believe all of those forged or badly misinterpreted um, carvings on Cambodian temples and things like that as being eyewitness reports or eyewitness depictions of real living creatures. Um, and he is making, well, some money at least, um, perpetuating these, 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 these kind of things. Uh, let's see. And so that one's Canadian. Let's see. So, argument and audience. Um, this is what really sets them apart. Because some of them, as I said, are only interested in their own local congregation. If somebody else walks through the door, that's fine. right? A lot of them are appointment only because they're not really... You know, uh, they, they'll never get enough traffic to, get, to keep it open. A lot of them are free, but they maybe, you know, like five bucks in the collection plate. Um, many of them, they're very minimal, very little displays. And others are very large, as we've seen. This, again, is uh, the Discovery Center in Abilene. It makes no con consistent argument. It doesn't even give you a, a, a full look at their theology about creation or anything else. It's just a hodgepodge of all sorts. So they have their titanic display, all sorts of other things like that. It's, most of it was um, collected by donations from the local community. This is kind of neat. It's kind of old, so they, it gets thrown in. So no sustained argument. So if you wanted to go have a big argument about specific points, this is not really a place to go. This one, Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, that's just outside of uh, San Diego. This is the first creation museum in North America, and perhaps in the, you know, in recent decades. Um, it's quite large, um, and, but this one does make a very comprehensive presentation of the gospel and how it relates to the biblical story of creation. It makes what it considers a comprehensive refutation of evolution and an argument for the veracity of the biblical account of origins. Very, very well done. And I think that um, Ken Ham and Answers in Genesis went there uh, and what they have is kind of the same sort of focused thing, but written five, six times larger, right? So this one is really, really um, well-developed. Um, this one, again, it's much, much smaller. Uh, but it's in, in Winnipeg. But again, it tries to make its case as best it can, given its resources and, and so forth. So some of the smaller ones are pretty, pretty well focused as well. And these pictures, I, I haven't been yet, but these ones I just nicked from um, the Winnipeg Skeptics Organization, who visited the place in 2010. Uh, weren't quite convinced about its argument, but um, they didn't mention anything about a titanic display or antique tools or taxidermy. So uh, I'll, I'll uh, enclose it. I, I'm including it in the focused ones. And this again is associated uh, with it, in a, it is part of a church building. Another Canadian one, um, again, very small but focused is the Creation Discovery Center in Bow Island, which is between Lethbridge and Medicine Hat in southern Alberta. It's a little tiny town, 
And this uh, was up in the upper floor of a small church building. But again, very focused. It's currently moving north a little ways to Brooks on the Trans-Canada Highway, and again, a little bigger surroundings. But it was um, a project of a guy uh, called Larry Dye, who fancies himself the creation guy. And he's been a longtime member of the Medicine Hat Astronomy Club. And so his, instead of a lot of dinosaurs, he gets a lot of outer space stuff. Um, replicas of the Apollo capsules. I've seen pictures of him online of him in a little spacesuit kind of thing. Um, <coughs> so different, you know, they, depending on the predilections of the curators or owners, uh, they go all sorts of different ways. And, and again, this, this one is quite small. Larry Dye also writes a lot of Christian-themed plays and things like that um, that he, put, that he uh, puts on. Now, so as I said, he's moving up to Brooks. And this is how you move house in the biblical sense. <laughs> this is uh, from the Creation Museum in Kentucky. So this is Ken Ham's. This is supposed to be part of their Christmas village display. Uh, so this is part of Bethlehem. And um, as I saw this, I was walking around. I asked the guys, is this, you know, how you move house in the biblical sense? And he says, yes, to do it properly, though, you need a Dodge truck. And I said, well, you might find some denominational differences about that. And he says, no, we won't. <laughs> so, uh, so this is the biggest creation museum in Canada. It's the Royal Terrell Museum in Drumheller. What? Um, and this is a tour guide of the Royal Terrell Museum by Margaret J. Helder, uh, produced by the Creation Science Association of Alberta. Uh, when I first showed this slide publicly in Calgary, uh, one of the members of the audience was a research scientist from the Royal Terrell, and he kind of looked down his nose at me. <laughs> so I figured, yeah, I got to do it again. <laughs> yeah, so they, 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 they produced this, this guy. And that's typical. If you go down to the United States, all the major natural history museums will have at least one creationist tour guide. Uh, that you can buy from one or another creationist organizations. Probably not on sale at the museum. You would have to order it online like I did with this one. But yeah, um, basically, uh, you know, reprinting their ideology on everything in the world around them. Um, this one isn't all that... Uh, yeah, I wonder why they, they even produce it, because a lot of it, there's not a lot of creation content in it. But what there is every once in a while, you know how dinosaurs, uh, when you get a whole skeleton of a velociraptor or something, that's back is arched like this. And uh, there's different theories of why it does, you know, the dinosaurs did that when they died. And in this journal, or in this tour guide, they emphasize uh, one set of papers that suggests that there was the, the, the animals that end up like that suffered some kind of major nerve trauma when it died. Such as one possibility out of a, a list was suffocation, the flood. Oh. Right? Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so it'll interpret things like, uh, things like that. Um, this is a, a very interesting one in Glen Rose, Texas. You can tell I like Texas, right? Um, if I ever get, like, the six-month six warning about cancer, I'm heading for the southern states with all my money. I was selling the house, and I'm going from barbecue joint to barbecue joint, and I'm going to die of cholesterol before anything else gets me, and it's going to be glorious. Right, I just thought I'd mention that. Uh, but Glen Rose, Texas, is uh, it's right along the uh, Paluxy River, which is a small river. 
going through Texas. And there's a wonderful little state park there called Dinosaur Valley State Park. And if you're ever around there, go. Lots of little hiking trails. But along that river, um, there's been thousands of dinosaur footprints that have been discovered. Um, if you go late August, you can see them actually in place. Uh, any other time of the year, the river's a little too high. Um, but in late summer, they'll uh, they'll be exposed and they'll clean them out so you can see them. Now, some of these um, tracks have been deformed or eroded or you don't quite know what it is. And some people have declared that they found human footprints superimposed on the dinosaur footprints. Surprisingly, some of the examples have gone missing after they were sent to museums for ver verification. But the fellow down in Glen Rose at the Creation Evidence Museum is one of the major proponents of these dinosaur tracks being proof that dinosaurs and, and humans live together. Other creationists are not so sure. They're more, um, they suggest that there, perhaps there's been bad misinterpretation, damage to these things, or outright forgeries. So creationists don't all agree on every bit of evidence. The Ken Ham's museum, this is one of the arguments they say you should not use when arguing with a, with a science fellow, saying that this cannot be demonstrated to be true. But Carl Baugh at the Creation Evidence Museum makes, uh, it's, it's one of his, his major points. Another thing Carl Baugh does, um, he's one of the few creationists that really has um, a cosmology all worked out. Most of these organizations and most of the writers leave a lot up to, well, we don't know quite how it happened yet. Uh, the Bible, the, uh, um, the passages that talk about creations of the heavens and the earth, this is a page and a half in a fairly large print Bible, right? How it merges with what we now know with outer, about outer space, the size of the universe, all of this stuff. Um, this is all has to be read into that text. One thing the Bible says is that God created what's often translated as a firmament above the earth, separating waters above the firmament from the waters below, and the earth emerges in the lower waters. Now, what is this firmament? The word in Hebrew is rakia, and it comes from a verb that is used in many places to describe hammering out a piece of copper to make a pot. It seems to be a solid structure, and this co coincides with what we know that about ancient uh, Mediterranean and ancient Near Eastern peoples. They thought the sky was solid, and things moved across it, and the gods lived somewhere on top of a mountain that pierced it at some point. However, if we, we know that there's no rakia immediately above our atmosphere, right? We've sent rockets, nothing bounced off. Well, okay, a few of them don't quite make it. But, um, so what, what do we do with this? Or what do they do with that? Um, so either the rakia is no longer there, it's a billion and a half miles away, or it's permeable. And in a number of Christian translations, uh, this firmament is translated as expanse, the expanse of space, right? So they can square the Bible with what we know about modern astronomy. Now, for Karl Baugh, he takes what is very much in the creationist world a minority view. It used to be more popular. But he suggests that um, the Rakia firmament was solid. And through his very interesting exegesis of these, this page and a half, he suggests that there was actually reference to four different layers. Uh, the outer or the inner uh, one was crystalline, solid. So the Bible is true. 
However, it dissipated with the flood. So it was ice and a bunch of other chemicals that collapsed and came down. And he's got a very elaborate cosmology um, blending this short biblical story with what he understands about modern astronomy and geology and so on and so forth. Um, but he's one of the very few that do that. Answers in Genesis, Creation Ministries International and so forth, they'll leave a lot open say, we don't know. Right? We know what the Bible says is true, but we don't know exactly how to square it with everything else. And so they engage in what they call creation science. Creation science is not simply the refutation of evolution, the Big Bang Theory, so on and so forth. It is the active, rational, if you accept their premises, working out of how the biblical story played out in a, you know, if you were going to write a longer history of the world than that page and a half, how it all came to be, and so on and so forth. And so they have their own research journals, modeled on secular scientific journals, peer-reviewed, uh, with lots of diagrams, so on and so forth, all kinds of their own jargon, um, all kinds of different theories that they're trying to work out how best to deal with this. So Karl Baugh's minority opinion, but they're not going to disown him completely. They, um, the fellow I talked to at Answers in Genesis, Terry Mortensen, kind of stopped short, but suggested he's kind of, I think he's, he mentioned, he was kind of on the fringe of it. They didn't really want to disown him. But some of his, he may well be. Um, I really am going to get zapped. Um, so anyway, we'll carry on. <laughs> so Santee, again, um, a number of, again, cryptozoology, dragon legends, dinosaurs. Um, I didn't bring it, but I have a wonderful necktie I got in Kentucky. It's got a big brontosaurus or sauropod or whatever you call them. And a little verse from Job about the biblical behemoth being this great big creature whose tail was like a cedar. And, you know, it's just glorious stuff. Uh, so, the Santee Museum owes a lot to Henry Morris, who... Um, did a lot to rehabilitate creationism in the 1960s and 1970s. In some ways, creationism became um, dis highly disreputable in the United States in the wake of the Scopes trial in 1925. Uh, if any of you have seen the, the film Inherit the Wind, uh, the creationism movement got linked with a bunch of southern local yokels. Um, you, sort of, so you had all kinds of American discourses going between urban modernity and sophistication versus the rural, the hicks. Um, you had other Christians arguing about sophisticated theology against the simplistic kind of thing. But in the 60s and 70s, in the wake of the Americans trying to re- redo their science program in the wake of the Russian successes with Sputnik and so forth. They started pushing all levels of science on creating new textbooks and so forth, even in biology. So early 60s, uh, the American government was pushing a lot of evolutionary theory onto high school students. And Henry Morris, uh, he and a, a large group of other people sort of became the backlash against that and started solidifying these, uh, these sort of movements. But one of his books, This Long War Against God, says something about how they view what evolution is. And it's not simply Darwin's theory or any other subsequent biologist's theory about the origin of speciation. It talk, it's, it's a word that's become a symbol of everything wrong with the secular world. So when they're arguing evolution, they will use that word against the origin of the cosmos, the origin of life, everything. So here Morris is talking about um, 
indigenous peoples that were discovered in the uh, 18th, 19th centuries. Uh, this, these discoveries led a lot of Christians in those, in those centuries to question the Bible. Because the Bible doesn't mention Australia, North America, South America, China, all that. So what do you do with these people? The Bible describes after the flood how the descendants of Noah spread out around the world, but it never mentions these other people, right? So the world is bigger than this biblical worldview. So he spent some time with this, but he says, such tribes are not primitive at all, but the result of many centuries of departure from the true God of creation descending deeper and deeper into the morass of evolutionary pantheism. So even the uh, sacred traditions of the First Nations people of BC is marked by evolutionary thought. And you'll find this um, repeated in a number of other museums and creationist writings. Evolution becomes the bugbear for, for everything. Um, so here we are again back in uh, Kentucky. As I said, it's, it's really huge, and I do recommend the fudge shop there. Um, there's a great restaurant, great hamburgers, and this thing, what's neat about this one, and to a lesser extent Santee, because it's smaller, it hits people on every single level. Um, spiritually, theologically, you intellectually, because it's trying to make rational arguments. It's an enter, you know, there's entertainment here, there's humor, all kinds of things. So it's becoming kind of an all encompassing experience in which the big bad outside world is kind of defeated. I'm thinking of this um, as. Yeah, yeah, like sort of like Christian uh, theme parks and so on and so forth. This is a pilgrimage site, right? This is where you go to re-engage the sacred stories of the Bible, so on and so forth. There's a whole creation narrative told here, a whole salvation narrative told. So the creation story becomes the first step in people's ultimate salvation according to their, their Protestant theology. Uh, according to Ken Ham, when I heard him speak, Genesis is the bad news that must precede the good news of the gospel of Christ. There's no point of having the good news if you haven't got a problem that it'll address. And the problem, they're saying, is human sin, so on and so forth. But it, it, it also um, highlights you know, not only that ancient issue, but how it relates to modern political issues. And yes, they have some nasty things there about uh, Barack Obama and abortion. There's a lot about abortion. Um, but if you read it just as a condemnation of secularism, you'd be wrong. It's a condemnation of liberal forms of Christianity that accept that the world is billions of years old that uh, God could have created through evolution. Uh, it's very, very hard on what it considers a compromised church. Um, so you go there and all of these sacred truths are accessed. You, you get into it, your kids get into it, there's some good old American capitalism with the gift shop, and it's all done in the language of a legitimate museum. Right? It's everything is copied. You know, um, they, they, they went to natural history museums, they went to cultural museums, they know how displays were made. And so it accesses that whole language of authority that a museum gives you. Plus, there's a zip line, there's lots of fun for the kids. So it becomes a whole family engagement. So you can have a spiritually meaningful time going there. And you notice the nice little pond. I'll get to that. Um, this is the inside. Some of the animatronic dinosaurs that look a, a little better in pictures. They, 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 okay, they are kind of hokey. 
in some cases. But well done, Hokey. They spent money. Uh, there's been a lot worse. Um, and again, I'll poke a little bit at them. Here we have one of their displays, and they're static displays. They could be in any natural history museum in the world and be thought of as not poor quality, right? They're really, really well done. So they have this Tyrannosaurus thing um, and a little bit um, layer found in Upper Cretaceous. I don't know if you can read that, but around about 2,348 BC. Remember that number. Diet after the fall. So after Adam and Eve get punted out of the garden for eating the apple. Uh, carnivore. Probably also a scavenger. Okay. Maybe T-Rex really is Upper Cretaceous and uh, scavenger and carnivore. Fine. Uh, but before the fall, in the Garden of Eden, when the world was perfect, the world that God declared was very good, T-Rex was a vegetarian. <laughs> Absolutely had to be theologically impossible to be otherwise. God declared this world very good. How can there be suffering? How could the there be vegetables. death? The they would, um, their argument... Their argument is um, it's probably accurate that the Hebrew word for life, nefesh, is only used of animals. It's never used of plants. So you have a different order of being. So no suffering in that garden. Everything's down to human sin. Right? So you have these kind of comical things, or what seems to us to be comical. For them, there's so much in this museum is about the problem of evil. Why do good people suffer? Um, this is not just about secular science. This is working out all kinds of theological issues with, that religious folks have been grappling with for thousands of years. So we have Archaeopteryx, layer found in Upper Jurassic, round about 2348 BC. Told you to remember that number. Uh, and um, Heterodontosaurus or whatever. Uh, Lower Jurassic, around about 2348 BC. <laughs> so they're taking these geological terms, but they're, you know, and they, they won't dispute the layers, but they dispute the ages. These are all different sedimentary layers laid down with Noah's flood. So they, you know, they employ the language of scientific legitimacy and use this language of museums, you know, this visual language of, of physical displays, but do something very, very different with it. Um, the similarities between human physiology and animals, such as, uh, right next to this is a, is a skeleton of a gorilla, is that humans have this religious capacity. We have this ability to uh, communicate with God. And they're very, very big on the idea that we are not animals. Despite the... For us, this is a very special... We're a very special creation. And even the Catholic Church, even though the Catholic Church, their doctrine is, they don't have a problem with us um, physically being descended from um, apes and being related to chimpanzees and squirrels and worms and whatever. No problem at all. The difference for the Catholics lie in that we have souls that are an express create special creation of God. And they will, they will accept any, any theoretical, biological, evolutionary theory, except they will not accept the idea that the human soul is a product of accidental evolution and had to be a gift of God. For, for answers in Genesis and the younger creationists, even the physical body has to be a special creation. We are created from dust, right? Yes, according to the Bible. Now, they go through this whole, what they call the seven seas, from creation uh, to the fall, um, the coming of Christ, the uh, 
uh, death and resurrection, and ultimately the second coming of Christ, in which we'll again live in a paradise. Um, quoting various passages in the Bible, such as Isaiah, about how wolves will lay down with sheep and stuff like that. So they're seeing this whole specter of, of all of creation, from the beginning to what they, they, you know, the apocalypse and what lies beyond. So all of, the, all of these narratives, personal narratives, any step of the way, all gets rolled into this, this master narrative. Like layers and layers of stories telling these people about their world, how it works, so on and so forth. Um, and you can see the first attack on God's word. Uh, God said, you know, uh, don't eat anything from that one tree in the middle of the garden. Well, you know any story where you have, you can do anything you want except this one thing, you know what's going to happen. Right. Don't press the big red button, right? You know what's going to happen. Uh, so that was the first questioning of divine word. The latest attack questioned the biblical timeline. So secular science or liberal Christians who say um, Bishop Usher was wrong, the world is older than 6,000 years, this is the same issue that Adam and Eve had back in the garden, the same apostasy, the same breach of faith. So that old story is coming alive again. It's repeating itself throughout history. The same with that idea of evolutionary pantheism. Every other you know, religion is evolutionary. So this becomes the primal sin. Far more than what Darwin ever advertised it to be or Dawkins, for that matter. <laughs> um, now, this is a very famous picture from the Kentucky Museum. We have Adam and Eve skinny dipping with flowers. Does anybody actually do that? Don't answer. <laughs> okay, however, um, this is part of a much bigger diorama, and they, they are life-size, um, with, with hair in strategic places and so forth. So I'll zoom out a little bit, and I'm sorry for the quality of these pictures. There's a big thick glass in front, funny lights, really bad reflections. I, I had a hard time getting a clear picture. But here we can see this tree, and up there you will see the snake in the garden. Right? And now this is something, this is, they, you know, you can't take a museum display, no museum display, at face value. There's a certain discourse, a certain artistry that goes into, you know, how you uh, put things. But I'll zoom, uh, I'll zoom in on, on a tree up here, you know, just this branch up here from a different angle. And this photo is really bad, but uh, can you see it? Yes, oh God. Yes, you have the face of Christ. So um, a, a fellow I know at University of Miami is um, working on, uh, he's an anthropologist, and he's working on, um, he's writing a lot on the new Ark encounter that answers in Genesis, you know, their, their life-size Noah's Ark. And uh, he, they actually let him hang around in their art department while they're designing some of the displays for the Ark. And he's got a great study on sort of how they take um, this ancient old story and reimagine it for a modern world, basing it on, you know, uh, the cultural repertoire, what pop culture ideas, everything, you know, your cultural baggage that tells you what this probably looked like and how there's new input and new cr creativity involved in that. And that's something that... My, I'm hoping my study will uh, be able to illuminate, you know, just this um, whole notion of, of a creative living mythology that keeps getting dusted off. Um, and of course, all the problems in the world go back to the garden, including Nazism, racism, so on, starvation, predation, um, consequences of evolutionary thinking, uh, social Darwinism, they say is evolutionary, why do women have abortions, so on and so forth. Uh, feminists would have a field day going to this museum, by the way. Um, 
Scripture compromised in the church millions of years. Entrance of humans religion of human religions. Um, so yeah, they've got the story of whole earths. And also <laughs> outer space raises some issues. The Bible says nothing about it. Whenever you hear a scientist say one of the oldest questions um, humanity has ever asked is, are we alone? Are there people on other planets? No, they're lying. They're looking for funding. Most ancient people didn't have a freaking clue about other planets, and, and if there were things beyond the heavens, they knew they were populated by gods, spirits, angels, and stuff. It was never a question. Right? It's a real question once you get to realize just how the universe actually works. So, uh, Outsiders of Genesis has Area 51 and a half, their little planetarium. And my wife and I went to go see their, their uh, video, our uh, planetarium show on life and other possibility of life outside of Earth. Next to nothing. No chance of intelligent life, any kind of sentient life, and very little chance of any other kind of life either. Because the world, the universe, is Earth-centric. Um, and surrounding it is this huge garden. It's beautiful. And, you know, you, you go into this museum and it's signs and placards and videos telling you about how the world works and how it doesn't work and who's right, who's wrong. Very, very busy. Very, very forceful. You go to this garden, you won't find a single sign. No argument. Just a few benches and this beautiful botanical garden around a pond. It's just like night and day. It, you go to the sacred site, you get armed for your struggle with the great outdoors, and you have a place to sit and be at peace with the world and God's creation. It's wonderfully done. Uh, so this, um, I'll finish up really quickly here. Um, Ark Encounter, opening July 7th in Kentucky, about 40 miles south of uh, Cincinnati. This is one planned for Dallas by... Uh, the Institute of Creation Research. This one is very big, prob probably about the same size as the one in Kentucky. This one um, is Genesis Center or something like that. Um, I think I lost the caption. This one is a whole theme park based around Noah's Ark. This one is in Switzerland. This is Northwest Science Museum. They're looking for 150 million bucks. This is going to be in Boise, Idaho, or just outside of Boise. 350,000 square foot. That's probably the size of the Royal Terrell. So five times bigger than Ken Ham's. Now, whether or not they're ever going to get the money to do this, if this is just pipe dreams or what, I don't know. Um, but Ken Ham didn't end this phenomenon. He didn't start it, he didn't end it. And um, so it's really quite a major issue. Oh, Land of Genesis, yeah, that's... Um, and I'll just, in, in closing, I'll just mention the Creation Science Association of BC. I think it's based in Surrey or Abbotsford, I'm not sure. Uh, but there's, they're hosting Paul Taylor from Mount St. Helens Creation Museum. Um, he's been in Vancouver already. Um, tonight, I think he's going to be in Nanaimo, then he's coming back to Surrey or someplace in the next, you know, in, in the upcoming week. Um, Creation Ministries International is hosting Jim Mason uh, end of April at Chilliwack and Abbotsford. So this is very active. There's no museum in BC, but a lot of sort of talks and stuff. And the Alberta Home Education Association, I'm going to their convention um, actually this coming weekend. They did hire the Duggars to come to be keynote speakers. You know, these guys with 29 bazillion kids or whatever. But um, Center for Inquiry in Calgary uh, sort of blew the whistle on them. They backed out of, their, uh, out of the Duggars, so they've been de-Duggared. Now, one of their uh, keynote speakers who's still on the list 
is Linda LaCour Hobar, who writes the mystery of history uh, homeschool curriculum. And this is the uh, contents page for the first session. Week, pretest, what do you know? Lesson one, creation, around about 4004, Adam and Eve. Uh, so the first week is about the creation story. Week two is about Noah's flood and the ice age, and then dinosaurs. So this is, uh, that, that uh, homeschool thing has four creationist speakers for their convention, a two-day convention. Um, a number of films about debating. So I'll leave it with there. I'm sorry I talked so long. <laughs> but I think I did have some time for, for uh, questions. So thanks, everybody, for coming. Nice.